I spent the morning reorganising the timetable and getting Peter to make new appointments to replace those I'd missed, and the afternoon discovering that as far as the police were concerned, my troubles were still of little interest. Well, I was back home, wasn't I? Unharmed? Without having to pay a ransom? Was there any form of extortion? No. Was I starved? No. Beaten? No. Tied with ropes, straps, shackles? No. Was I sure it wasn't a practical joke? They would look into it, they said. But one of them remarked that he wouldn't mind a free fortnight's trip to the Mediterranean. And his colleague laughed. I gathered that if I seriously wanted to get to know, I would have to do the investigating myself. I did want to know. Not knowing felt dangerously unsafe, like standing behind a bad-tempered horse. If I didn't know why I'd been taken the first time, how was I to stop it happening again? Thursday evening I collected my dolomite, which had been moved to the Cheltenham Racecourse Manager's front drive. Where on earth have you been? We traced that it was your car through the police. Next I drove to the house of the Racecourse valet to pick up my wallet and keys and racing saddle. Where on earth have you been? I gave the racecourse manager your car keys. I hope that's all right. Then I drove back to my cottage, having spent the previous night in an airport hotel, and with faint-hearted caution let myself in. No one was waiting there in the dark with coshes or ether or one-way tickets to sail lockers. I switched on all the lights and poured myself a stiff scotch and told myself to calm down and take a better grip. I telephoned to the trainer I regularly rode early morning exercise for. Where on earth have you been? And arranged to start again on Monday. And I rang a man who had asked me to ride in a hunter chase to apologise for not turning up. I saw no reason not to answer the questions about where I'd been, so I told them all. Abducted and taken on a boat to Minorca, and I didn't know why. I thought at least that someone might come up with a possible explanation, but everyone I told sounded as flummoxed as I felt. There wasn't much food in the cottage, and the steak in the fridge had grown whiskers. I decided on spaghetti, with chopped-up cheese melting on it. But before starting to cook, I went upstairs to change new jacket for old sweater and to make a detour to the bathroom. I glanced casually out of the bathroom window and spent a frozen instant in pure panic. There was a man in the garden looking towards the downstairs rooms of the cottage. The light from the sitting-room window fell brightly on his face. I hadn't consciously remembered him, but I knew him at once, in one heart-stopping flash of the inner eye. He was the fake St. John's Ambulance Man, from Cheltenham Races. Behind him in the road stood a car, with gleams of light edging its roof and windows. A second man was levering himself out of the passenger seat, carrying what looked like a plastic bag containing cotton wool. A third figure, dimly seen, was heading through the garden to the back of the house. They couldn't, I thought. Surely they couldn't think they would trick me again. But with three of them, they hardly needed tricks. The St. John's man waved his arm to the man by the car and pointed, and the two of them took up positions, one on each side of my front door, out of sight of anyone opening it from the inside. The St. John's man stretched out an arm and rang my bell. I unfroze. Wonderful how terror sharpened the wits. There was only one place I could hide, and that was in my bedroom. The speed with which I'd gone over the side of the boat was nothing compared with my disappearance inside the cottage. 
Downstairs in the sitting room, the huge old fireplace had at one time incorporated a bread oven, which the people living there before me had removed, constructing instead a head-high alcove with display shelves. Wanting a safe place in which to keep valuables, they had opened the upper part of the bread oven space into the bedroom above, where it formed a sort of box below the floor of the built-in wardrobe. Not having much in the way of valuables, I stored my two suitcases in there instead. I opened the wardrobe door and pulled up the hinged flap of flooring and hauled out the cases. The doorbell rang again, insistently. Luring myself into the space took seconds, and I had the wardrobe door shut and the flap of floor almost in place when they burst in through the front door. They rampaged through the place, opening and slamming doors and shouting and finally gathering all together downstairs. He must be bloody here. Bidden! Bidden! Come out! We know you're here! The fucking bastard scarpered! I could hear every loud word through the chipboard partition between my hiding place and the sitting room.